unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And wow. so John actually puts it, and he doesn't directly say this, he just assumes you know this, but he puts it that at the exact same time when thousands, tens of thousands of lambs are being killed in the temple, Jesus dies on the cross. Hey everybody, welcome back to Saints Unscripted. We are here today with Daniel Smith who is the creator of the YouTube channel, Messages of Christ, which is an extremely popular YouTube channel, relatively speaking, I guess. I mean, if you're compared to, you know, Mr. Beast or something like that, maybe not For so much. religious content, you yes, could say. You've got some 300,000 followers or something like that, mm -hmm. which before we jump into today's topic, I want to know how the heck you did that. And uh, maybe maybe give us a little bit of background about yourself and your channel and maybe how it got started and things like that. So the channel really started out because I'm, I'm a really visual person. And one of the things that I noticed is there just wasn't a lot of content out there that was visual and engaging for users. And, and I wanted content that I would be able to go in, learn about the life of Christ and be able to see things, see the locations, see the places, see artifacts, and there just wasn't anything out there. So I actually went to the church, uh, suggested the idea. They said no, they weren't interested. I went to BYU TV, they weren't interested, and so I said, okay, I guess I'll start my own YouTube channel. I'll do it myself. <laughs> Fine. I'll do it myself. At the time, it was pretty small. Um, I was doing kind of things where the, you look at my early videos and sometimes I cringe. In fact, I always cringe, but you know, that's always the you way it is. You and me both. Yep. So, but I, I just kind of started growing and growing. And one of the things that I really started to focus on because it's a, a passion of mine is about 3D recreations, 3D models, artifacts, which I... I didn't even think to bring any here, but I have tons of different things that I've done. And so I think that's part of the reason why it's done so well is because it's something that nobody has really done. So I've, you know, created the clothing of the high priest. I used a Lego machine to spin all the, the yarn and things like that. I did hand loomed the fabric. Wow. Um, it was a two year project. I recreated the tabernacle. Um, I've been to the tabernacle. They had a whole set of it that they did, and I've done reenactments of the Day of Atonement. And, and so very few people have actually gone through all those things. And then I always try to take the Old Testament in many situations and then pull it into the life of Christ. Because so often we kind of skim over the, the Old Testament mm -hmm. and we don't realize that they are teaching. I mean, Jesus is teaching from the Old Testament. That's their scriptures. Yeah. And because we gloss over, we miss so much of it. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like it's really resonated with a lot of people, that idea. And I'm glad that you've been successful at it. And might I say, you've got the voice for it. <laughs> that strong, deep. Thank you. 
narrator voice. You probably recognize his voice from his channel if you've seen it. It's more popular than ours. So it's probably more likely that you've seen his channel than maybe Well, ours. it's interesting. I don't have a lot of Latter-day Saints that watch it. It's predominantly Christians. Uh, do, so. do they find out you're a Latter-day Saint and freak out sometimes? Uh, occasionally, but not... I, I Wolf don't know. in it's, sheep's it's, clothing. It's kind of hit or miss. Yeah. So... And a lot of them don't really care. I mean, I've had a lot of people that are, they even are defending me when other people are saying things, but yeah, I, you'll always have some people that are, yeah, you know, but it applies. I love but... that it's applicable to all these different Christian faiths. Mm -hmm. So today, what we wanted to talk about is Holy Week um, and some of the, the Jewish holidays or Holy Days. I love that. I think that's when, when that clicked for me, I was like, <gasps> I just didn't move for five minutes, <laughs> had an epiphany. You might have seen the Faith and Beliefs video that we produced about some of these Jewish festivals and feasts and holidays. Which was really well done. Thank I you. very much enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I watched your videos <laughs> in preparation for that episode, and we took some of your footage. <clears throat> but um, you're good. <laughs> thank you. One of the hard things for me is that I have a really hard time remembering chronological things. So like when it comes to like these holy days, I appreciate, I'm not trying to gloat here, but I, I'm glad that we have a video out on it so that I can go back and watch it and be like, okay, this and then this and then this. So I guess if you aren't familiar with some of these holy days, go watch that ep episode for a brief overview. And maybe you can give us a brief overview of um, what, Holy Week is all about and what kind of things are happening in it. And then what we want to do is jump into how Christ's last week of life and, and some of the events of his final week overlap with some of the events of Holy Week. So Holy Week is, I mean, it's, it's really the, it's the most significant week for Christians. And it's, it's the week that they're celebrating um, and they're, in, in many ways, we should say more like commemorating the last week of the life of Christ, because there's some of the timing that we're not positive about of what day it occurred, but it's kind of taken on, this is the day that it happened for us today as Christians. So, for example, there's actually a lot of debate, was it Friday that Jesus was crucified? I don't know. If you ask a Christian, Good Friday is the day he was crucified. But there is a lot of debate. It might have been Thursday, and some even say maybe Wednesday and things like that. And so there is this issue that today we celebrate certain days, and then in the life of Christ, it was probably fairly similar, but there might have been a little bit difference. So we've got it. It starts with Palm Sunday when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and he's coming into Jerusalem for Passover. Right. That's the reason okay. he's coming. And I think this is where this is, see, I think I'm already exemplifying some of these struggles I'm making in my head because, because I've been associating Holy Week with um, the Jewish festivals and holidays, which some of which did happen during Holy Week. But Holy Week is really um, how Christians are commemorating Christ's final week. Not but the only reason he was coming to Jerusalem and that he was killed is because of Passover. Which is one of those Jewish So it directly holidays. relates. Right. Okay. So even though we often will separate the two, um, there are even things like, for example, in Spanish, 
Easter is Pasqua,、mm -hmm. which is Passover.、Mm -hmm. So they call Easter Passover. Yeah. So there, even in you know Spanish culture, there is that connection. I remember when I was learning Spanish, I was like, "Well, how do you say Easter?" And they're like, "Pasqua." I'm like, "No." How do you say Easter? <laughs> and I'm like, that's Passover. And I'm like, and so there is even within, depending on the religion or the the language, that there even is that connection that Easter is Passover. Right. So, so if you were a Jew in, in the Jewish religion, you wouldn't be celebrating Holy Week though, no. because they don't believe Christ was. The same. No, no, and and again, it's because they happen to happen at the same time. Right. Okay. So it's. You have, you know, it's it's kind of like today. I mean, you may have an event that's happening, and then all of a sudden, another world event happens at the exact same time.、Mm -hmm. They happen to coincide, and there may be connections, but、um, they are technically two separate events. Yeah, that is very helpful. Thank you for clearing that up. Okay, so、um, Holy Week, we start with Palm Sunday.、Mm -hmm. What is Palm Sunday? Why is that significant? Well, for modern Christians, the Palm Sunday. First off, they'll they'll go into their church and they'll wave palm branches、uh, in their their meeting, and it's commemorating the event of when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And again, he's coming for Passover.、Right. He's not. He obviously knows it's his last week, but his disciples have no idea. For them, they're just coming to this major feast. That's、mm -hmm. a Jewish feast. And so they're coming in, and as they're coming in,、uh, Jesus is riding down the Mount of Olives, and as he's coming in, the people see him, and they've heard all the miracles that he had just healed Lazarus. We don't know exactly the timing, but it's probably within a few weeks, maybe even a week before. So one of his most significant miracles has just happened, and so people are like, "Whoa." A guy that just rose the dead, you know, he's coming into town. Like, okay, and so they see him as a messianic a character,、um, and they, in particular, it, it's quite complex. But they're waving palm branches because during the Feast of Tabernacles, which is actually in the fall, not the spring, they would wave palm branches, and it was the symbol of welcoming in the king. And so they're connecting that Jesus is coming in as a king, riding on a donkey, which is the same thing Solomon did. In fact, when Solomon became the king, he rides down the Mount of Olives to, you could say, almost the exact same area that he is on a donkey, and the people, you know, are seeing this connection, and so they wave palm branches, and so all of a sudden, that now is what we call Palm Sunday, the commemoration of that event. See, this is so helpful because because the scriptures don't give you that context.、Mm -hmm. They just say, and they wave palm branches around, and you're just like, like why? That's a little weird, but okay. <laughs> and why is he riding a donkey or you know things like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, he definitely he knows what's going on, and he's using the timeline. And the events of what's happening to directly teach the people, and so when we don't know those things, it, we just yeah yeah yeah. It's I mean he's telling them who he is,、yeah. and they and they recognize it.、Yeah. They know exactly what's going on. It's just this massive web of connections between、mm -hmm. scripture and culture and holidays, and that's fascinating. Okay, so there's Palm Sunday. What comes next? So technically, it would, it would still be kind of part of Palm Sunday, but on on that first day. So this would be on the tenth day of the first month. 
So Passover happens on the 15th or the eve of the 14th, depending on how you're counting it. And this is uh, according to our calendar or the no, Jewish calendar? No, this is the Jewish calendar. Okay. And they use a different calendar, and it's probably too much to get into yeah. in, in this episode. But but they they have a completely different calendar. So their first month, on the 10th day, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And on that day, they would be selecting the lamb uh, that would be then used for Passover four days later. And they take it into their home. And during that time period, they, they're making sure that the lamb is without blemish. They're cleaning their home of all un unleavened products, mm -hmm. which for them, leaven was considered a symbol of uh, corruption and things like that. And so they are, in essence, taking all of this and saying, okay, we're cleansing our home of, of corruption and we are bringing the lamb into the home. And imagine there's this little cute little lamb and guess what's going to happen in a couple of days. So the kids are getting attached to it. Ooh. And what does Jesus do? He cleanses his house, his father's house, the temple. So cleansing of the temple. And... He basically, for the next several days, and we don't know if it's every day, but during the exact same time when the lamb is in the home of the people, Jesus is in the home of his father, the temple. Oh, my goodness. And he teaches in the temple. He's not living there like the lamb is, but he's very specific that he teaches in the temple during this time period. I think sometimes we read the Bible and we read stories but we don't mentally put them in chronology. Mm -hmm. And so, and I don't think I've ever made this connection that, that Christ cleanses the temple during this last week. When all the Jews are cleansing their own homes, like every Jew, even today, like spring cleaning, guess where spring cleaning comes from? Passover. Really? Because they're cleaning their homes in preparation for Passover. So all the Jews are cleaning their homes and Jesus cleans his father's house. That is such a power move by Jesus. Yeah. He's just like, oh, everybody's cleaning their homes. And and what is he doing? He's go. cleaning the corruption out of his unleavened bread, or yeah. leaven, I should say, out of the house. Wow. So. Okay. So Palm Sunday. And then uh, so that's is... happening the next few days. And there's there's various events that are happening. Sometimes it's a little hard to tie all of the exact events. But the next major event, and this is where there is a lot of debate. So I'm going to go with the calendar of kind of more modern Christianity, what we would call Holy Week, than some of the possibilities. Because again... Is it Thursday? Is it Wednesday? Is it Friday? But yeah. we'll just go off of that. So um, the next major event that you have is the Last Supper. So again, Jesus has come in. He's taught in the temple for a couple of days. He's dwelling in the house of his father, just like the lambs are in the homes of the people. And then you have Passover, and that would be on the eve of the 14th. Um, and at that same time, just before that, what would happen is they would go and take the lamb to the temple and it would be killed at about 3 to 5 p.m. Now, that'll be significant in just a, a moment, but they would be killing that lamb. They would then bring it back home. Part of it would be burned on the altar and then part of it, most of it would be brought home 
for eating the Passover meal. Um, so they would have the lamb, unleavened bread, bitter herbs, and they eat that as part of the Passover meal. Um, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, that's happening on, again, Thursday, if you're going by Holy Week. And with that happening, they are celebrating the exodus of Israel leaving Egypt. Hmm. And so this symbol that on the very time when Israel, when all of Israel is celebrating their exodus from Egypt, from bondage, from slavery, Jesus that evening after the Last Supper is in Gethsemane at the very same time. Hmm. So you think about it, the destroying angel, they're, they're commemorating the destroying angel going. And what are they doing? They're having this feast that commemorates that. And Jesus is in Gethsemane and the blood of him, his blood, mm -hmm. which you could say is a symbol of the blood on the doorposts, mm -hmm. is now making it so that the destroying angel is passing over them. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I think that sometimes uh, we look at all these things that Christ is doing and how they point back to these these Old Testament events. But then when you really think about it, it's these Old Testament events that are pointing to what Jesus is doing during this week. Yeah. It's just, it just, it's like the, 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 all of the timelines are converging at this, yes, at, during exactly. this week and everything Christ is doing is so significant. Yeah. So Christ suffers in Gethsemane. What comes next in, in Holy Week? So then he's arrested. Um, and then, and this is all taking place Thursday evening going into Friday. So he's arrested and tried. Uh, by first um, Annas and then um, Caiaphas and then Pilate and then Herod and then he goes back to Pilate. So during that whole time, and, and I think it's significant to kind of think through that, he is doing a lot of walking. Mm. If, if you go to Jerusalem, I, I had the chance to kind of walk through a lot of these areas. It's a lot of areas that he's walking to, you know, going from the Mount of Olives and um, it's really quite incredible that after just suffering, he has all of this time and then he probably is staying up much of that time and then he's going to be crucified on the next day. Mm. Now, the next day, which again, if you go off of the Holy Week tradition, it's Friday. There's a lot of scholars that believe it might have happened actually on Thursday. But again, we're going to go on Friday. Um, with Friday, the interesting thing is John. And this is where it's the gospel writers are less interested in about writing a history as we would consider in modern day and more about teaching about the life of Christ. Hmm. And historians anciently, that's always what they did. They were more concerned with kind of relevance as opposed to historical factors. well they don't have watches they don't have calendars that are like like we do you know on our cell phones and tablets and things like that mm -hmm. so for them it's more important to teach the significance of it so john and we don't know who's right but he actually shifts it by a whole day and so he takes and puts the passover 
it hasn't happened yet, according to John, and that it actually happens that the lambs, remember how he said that the lambs were killed from three to five? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what time Jesus dies on the cross? Three, three to o'clock. five? Three o'clock? And wow. so John actually puts it, and he doesn't directly say this, he just assumes you know this, but he puts it that at the exact same time when thousands, tens of thousands of lambs are being killed in the temple, Jesus dies on the cross at the exact same time. And so that's Friday, and you have this significant conflict, so to speak, where, you know, is it Thursday or is it Friday? But again, I think the purpose is to show if it's on Thursday, it's teaching that the Garden of Gethsemane and the blood on the the doorpost, the connection there between the, the destroying angel passing by, and then Friday, that you have the crucifixion where Jesus is literally the Lamb of God. Yeah. So in either case, there's huge significance there. Very powerful. Yeah. Wow. All right. I, I, I want to pause here and ask a question about these lambs that are being sacrificed, because when we see, you know, illustrations of it and whatnot, mm-hmm. you've got the temple worker, high priest, or, or one of the other priests, sacrificing one lamb. But you're talking about thousands and thousands of lambs. How does that, what does that look like? Like, do you have a line of people with lambs that are yeah, waiting one we, by one? we don't really know because there are so many lambs that are being killed. Um, and and I, I don't remember the, the number that Josephus gives, I mean, and he's most likely exaggerating, but it's something like 50,000 or 100,000 lambs that are being killed all in that time period. And so there probably is some sort of line. Uh, there's a blood everywhere. And in fact, there's so much blood that they would actually have to wash the area out on a potentially daily basis, especially after something like Passover. So they'd flood the temple court and then they'd flush the water out into the Kidron Valley. Um, but it's it's not what we would consider our temple worship where it's like this clean pristine building it's like blood everywhere and bleeding animals that are ah you know like (laughs) dying like it would have been quite the experience and the smell and the burning flesh and the fires i mean it's it's dramatically different than what we would consider a temple worship but the symbolism is absolutely powerful yeah and there's the blood the death the fire the burning the there's significance in that ugliness Mm -hmm. and it makes sense now why an entire tribe of israel is given the responsibility of working in the temple because that's a lot of that's a lot of stuff to be doing okay and and i should one more thing that i didn't note is the high priest is not because you mentioned, you know, high priest versus the priest. The high priest, there's only one high priest, right. unlike today. And he is not killing all the animals because of the fact that there's thousands thousands of them. But he's responsible for killing them. And he is, in essence, the one that kind of like a temple president, he doesn't do all the ordinances, but he oversees it. Mm. So he oversees the killing of all of the lambs. 
And he would authorize and in essence say, okay, this lamb is without blemish. I'm judging this lamb. So what does he do? At the same time, when the lambs are being judged and decided if they are a lamb proper for sacrifice, the high priest Caiaphas is judging Jesus, who really is the true great high priest, and judging him to be sacrificed and killed for our sins. Wow. Yeah, that's significant, and it, and it makes more sense. I mean, we read about Christ being taken to the Sanhedrin, right? And Caiaphas, who is the high priest of the temple, is therefore also the leader of the Sanhedrin, which is mm -hmm. kind of the Jewish court system. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so... Um, so Christ has been crucified. The Lamb of God has been killed. What happens next in Holy Week? Because, and, and again, this is where the timing, it, it's a little hard to figure out, but um, we're going to go off the Christian Holy Week, that Friday evening he is then taken, the body is taken down, and their, their day would start in the evening. So they have to take his body down, before the Sabbath, which the Sabbath is Saturday, right? not Sunday. right? And so they have to take the body down before the Sabbath begins. So they're, they're rushed. They don't have time because he died at three and the dusk is around five, six-ish, yeah. seven-ish, depending. I don't remember exactly the, but it's, it's not that late. And so yeah. they only have a couple of hours to take the body down they can't really properly prepare it. They're preparing it as much as they can, but they know they're not going to be able to finish it. They put it into the tomb. And again, this is kind of the connection that we miss. But uh, the timing is that the next day is Saturday, the Sabbath. And what do you do on the Sabbath? You rest. You refrain from working. Yeah. And what is Jesus doing? He's... His body... Is resting. rests in the tomb. Hmm. And think about the significance that the Jews, in particular the Jews, like we, for, for us, the Sabbath day is a holy day and things like that, but we, in many ways, we don't celebrate it like the Jews do. It is a day of rejoicing and, hmm. and rest and honor and respect. I mean, it's, it, in many ways, it's far more than we do. Um, we have a lot that we can learn from Jews on that. And this is the day when Jesus is dead in the tomb. The day of rejoicing is not the day of rejoicing. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking, why is this happening? This is Passover, the, one of the most holy times of the year, and it's the Sabbath. And we just had to put Jesus' body in a tomb. And so that's happening on Saturday. And then Sunday morning. So the first Sabbath after Passover, the next day is what they called the first fruits. And this would be basically where um, all of the feasts, the, the three major feasts that we have, are all connected to harvest times. So the very first one in the spring they're harvesting the barley. And so when they are, before they even harvest themselves the barley, they first cut some of the barley, 
They bind it together and they bring it to the temple and they offer it as the first fruits. And so they would offer that on the first day after the first Sabbath, after Passover, if that's not confusing. <laughs> um, so what is the first day after the Sabbath? Sunday. Right. And so they're offering the first fruits at the temple. Well, Christ then resurrects and he's the first fruits of, of them, them that, that slept. slept. Mm. So you have every aspect that Jesus is fulfilling these feasts. You have Passover, that he is the Lamb of God, and that because of his blood that was shed in Gethsemane and on the cross, that just like the destroying angel passed over and spared the firstborn, we are able to be spared because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then you have unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because there's three feasts that are happening right at the same time. Um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is this time when you're cleansing your homes and you're only eating unleavened products to represent the, you know, this purity, this time of purity. And so you could say, you know, Christ is the pure one that only because of him we can become pure. Only because of him our homes can become clean. Mm -hmm. And then you have the first fruits, the feast of first fruits, um, and that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. And that after that, directly after his resurrection, then people are being resurrected. And he, you know, it even talks about it. Some people saw people that were dead, they came back to life. And so Jesus is the first fruits. And just like you're harvesting when you're harvesting, you first harvest, the very first part is given to the Lord, and it's the best part, and it's offered at the temple. But then you now are harvesting the rest mm -hmm. of the barley. And so what's happening? The rest of, up, at least up to that point, the righteous are being resurrected and in essence being harvested so that they can come into the presence of the Lord. Yeah. So it all points to the... The fact that it's because of Jesus Christ that we are able to come back into the presence of the Lord. And understanding each of these events, understanding all the connections, to me, it just makes all the difference. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a firm believer in the idea of agency and that we won't be forced to, you know, academically believe in certain things. Like, I think it's the choice that needs to be made, what you're going to believe in. And it's just so interesting because in this case of this, this last week of Christ's life, it just seems like God is giving us all of the tools that he can and making all of the connections he can to just like, it's like the scriptures are screaming at us. This is him, yeah. you know, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm so grateful you, you were able to come on today to, to help us see some of these connections. Is there anything we left out? Any other thoughts that you have on this? I mean, I'm sure you have. Plenty. That's probably not the best question because <laughs> I could go for a long time. But uh, there's, you know, many, many other additional things. But that's that's really the the big part of it. Um, so to me, again, it just shows the powerful symbolism and that Jesus wanted to use that. He wanted his death to have power, not just power that it redeems us, but power in what it would teach us. 
So that as we think of the most significant story in the Old Testament is the Exodus story. And that he, in essence, is creating a new Exodus for each of us. Hmm. And that the most significant event of the New Testament is the commemoration of the story, the Exodus in the Old Testament. Daniel, thank you for being here. Everyone watching, go check out his channel, Messages of Christ, where I'm sure you get into this stuff much more in depth than we have today. And no doubt we will be stealing much of this footage to illustrate some of these things he's been talking about today. Thanks for being with us. You bet. Happy to be here. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.